When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Peter Stork appeared before the House Judiciary and Oversight Committees today where he refused to answer many questions and lied in response to many others. Rod Rosenstein is engaged in yet another political hit job, instructing DOJ prosecutors to find dirt on the president's Supreme Court nominee. And Democrat Party icon uh, Stormy Daniels was arrested in Ohio for fondling an undercover police officer. With these stories and more from a nationalist perspective, I'm Jim Dawes, and this is America First Radio's Daily Brief. And thank you again for joining America First Radio. This conversation never ends. You can follow us on Twitter at AmpFirstRadio and friend us on Facebook at America First Radio with Jim Dawes. And you can share it with your friends, weigh in on the conversation, start an argument, and get early notifications as soon as these shows are posted. America First Radio is proudly carried on the Talk America Radio Network, the new dominant force in conservative talk radio. And you can listen to their live feed 24-7 at talkamericaradio.us. And starting this week, we're now broadcast also on the Mojo 5.0 talk station on Dash Radio. You can download the app on your phone, listen to it in your car, free and commercial-free radio uh, on Dash uh, Radio on the station Mojo 5.0. If you miss a broadcast, a live broadcast, you can always listen on demand at your favorite podcast directory or at our website at AmericaFirstRadio.com. Well, this uh, this is going to be an interesting show indeed, and um, I'm not sure I'm going to get to all of the really important uh, uh, issues that came up today because, of course, if you haven't seen it, uh, I'm going to play for you extensive clips from uh, Peter Strokes testimony before the uh, joint house committee of uh, the oversight and uh, and justice committees um, I mean uh, this guy Peter stroke is the poster boy for the swamp and if I could I would put this on a 24-hour loop on a cable TV station so that as, that as much of the American population could get an idea of the uh, corruption and the lies and the obstruction uh, that is uh, that went on during the 2016 uh, presidential election and in its aftermath, and goes on to this day. Not only uh, did uh, Strzok, who is still, by the way, employed by the FBI, a lot of people wonder about that. How is this guy, with all of this damning, these damning text messages and this uh, inexplicable? Uh, behavior toward uh, uh, the contrast in the uh, conduct of the investigation into Hillary Clinton as opposed to the one that uh, he conducted on Donald Trump. How could he possibly still have a job at the FBI? And I can tell you quite simply is because this guy um, was involved in a very wide-ranging conspiracy to subvert the election in 2016 
and he knows where all the bodies are buried. So the FBI has to hold him close and keep him uh, being handled uh, by the FBI and their, uh, their attorneys at the Department of Justice. His counterpart in this, uh, these text messages, and you got to ask yourself, how stupid could an FBI agent and a Department of Justice lawyer, Lisa Page, have to be to, uh, to be sending these incriminating text messages back and forth on their official FBI and, and Department of Justice um, phones? I hardly know where to start. Uh, this this whole uh, thing was just uh, the, the real takeaway from the testimony today. As the Democrat as the Democrats uh, spent the uh, the whole afternoon trying to shut down uh, this oversight, they they interrupted constantly. They called points of order. They argued over points of order that were completely specious. They demanded recorded votes. They tried to eat up the questioners' times to protect the witnesses. They called for the adjournment. Uh, the The whole afternoon was uh, one. Peter Strzok illustrating just how dishonest, obstructionist he was, and uh, and therefore um, uh, discrediting all of these claims that there wasn't bias in the Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump investigations. But it also, probably even more importantly for the upcoming midterm elections, is that the Democrats spent all of their time today not trying to get at the truth like the Republicans did uh, during the Watergate hearings, but instead further obstructing the truth. And... You know, the, the, the Democrats sort of spent their time pretending that Stork was just another guy with an opinion when he was sitting, sending these text messages back and forth, declaring his uh, hatred for Donald Trump and his supporters, instead of the, the deputy director of uh, the FBI in charge of its counterintelligence division, who was in charge of both of these investigations. So really, you know, it's really becoming evident to anybody who's honest with themselves that the Democrats have gone all in on third world type police state tyranny. They've disgraced themselves. They've disgraced our republic. They really, as a party, don't deserve to, um, to continue in existence. So I'm going to get to some of these clips now. And they are quite amazing. Chairman Goodlatte, uh, who is the uh, o on the Oversight Committee, I believe, he's the chair of the Oversight Committee, opened up um, the, the proceedings um, in this clip. Mr. Strzok, did you ever believe these texts would become public? I did not. Given that... You felt free to express your true feelings, didn't you? I, I, I suppose, yes, that's a difficult question to answer. Mr. Strzok, former Director Comey played judge, jury, and, ex and exonerator in the Hillary Clinton investigation. 
In your experience at the FBI, have you ever seen the FBI director make the decision on whether to prosecute for the Department of Justice? Uh, Mr. Chairman, I, I would not agree with that characterization of Director Comey. And in answer to your question, I have not seen it before. All right. Was that appropriate, what he did, to hold a news conference and publicly announce the decision that was supposed to have been made by the Department of Justice? Sir, that was his decision. I, I don't was it appropriate, in your opinion? I, sir, I don't think it's for me to say whether or not... I think it is for you to say. I asked you the question. What's your opinion? Sir, I understand the variety of factors that went into... Well, I understand some of the factors that went into Director Comey's decision to make the announcement. I can tell you that that decision was not made lightly at all. I can tell you my experience in that decision. But you're not aware of any precedent for that. I'm not. No, there was no precedent for it. It was an absolute uh, um, subversion of the uh, judicial process designed to make sure that the Democrats could uh, could elect a candidate who was obviously guilty of violations of the Espionage Act. Let's see how much more time we've got in this, section, uh, this segment. Yeah, I'm going to play you this. Goodlatte goes on talking uh, to Strzok about uh, his text messages. Do you recognize how your vitriol against President Trump makes it appear you could never approach the case in a fair-minded manner? Sir, of course I appreciate that. I understand. So let's discuss a text that hits home for me. On August 26, 2016, you texted Ms. Page, quote, just went to a Southern Virginia Walmart. I could smell the Trump support. And smell is in capital letters, all capital letters. What does Trump support smell like, Mr. Strzok? Sir, that's an expression of speech. I clearly wasn't smelling one thing or the other. What I was commenting on is living in Northern Virginia. What does that mean? What I, what I meant by that was living in Northern Virginia, having traveled 100 and 150 miles south within the same state, I was struck by the extraordinary difference in the expression of political opinion and belief amongst the community there. And, the, and you described that as... So we uh, we were led to believe by Strzok that uh, he went into the Walmart and he was questioning people and carrying on conversations about their political opinions. He, he wasn't actually uh, making a disparaging mo- remark that somehow Trump supporters stink. No, he was just uh, making an observation about the, the contrast in the political uh, environment between his inside the beltway bubble swamp and uh, and and you know n- normal people outside of the beltway smell in capital letters sir that was a choice of the quick choice of words and it's all right so earlier oh it didn't mean anything it was just a quick choice of words and now that's a lie he's getting up there and he's testifying under oath i, I, I know you can't hold somebody to you know their opinion as as a lie, but he is lying. He's saying that he didn't mean uh, this is a disparaging remark. This that he could smell them, that it was just somehow an innocuous statement about a a, a different political environment. Seen or heard? Okay, so earlier you had texted Ms. Page on that another part of Virginia, Loudoun County, which is I think in northern Virginia is, quote, still ignorant hillbillies, end quote. Is that what you meant? Oh, no, he couldn't have meant that. He couldn't have meant that they were ignorant hillbillies just because he wrote it in a text. Well, let's see what he has to say. No, sir, not at all. 
Did you consider I'm, Trump supporters to be ignorant hillbillies? Not at all. Oh, so what did no. you mean by that? Well, sir, the first thing I'd tell you is, uh, is a proud Fairfax County resident. There's a healthy uh, sort of competition between Fairfax and Loudoun. Then this guy's lying through his teeth. He's not credible. But we'll get into more substantive um, lies when we come back from these messages right after uh, on America First Radio. So we're playing extensive clips from uh, this testimony today of Peter Strzok before the House uh, Joint uh, Justice and Oversight Committees, uh, where the Democrats uh, ran interference and tried their best to keep uh, the Republicans from um, from getting any valuable information out of Peter Strzok. And Peter Strzok, for his part, came there, um, and the things that he agreed that he could talk about, he lied through his teeth about what he meant in these emails, he he uh, he said that uh, you know just because he called Trump supporters ignorant hillbillies uh, in his text messages and referred to them as smelling at a Walmart, that he in no way meant to imply that they were ignorant hillbillies or that they had a d- distinctive smell. Now that seems rather innocuous on its surface. You know you don't want to insult people, but this man's under oath. You know he. He's a lot of times during the the uh, testimony, he's saying, "Well, you know, I don't remember this and I don't remember that." But uh, when he's confronted with these things, well, he knows for sure that he he doesn't remember writing them, but he, he's sure that that's not what he meant. I mean, there's no way he ought not to be held in contempt. I mean, we're going to get to more substantive issues than his uh, his insults against Trump and and his supporters, issues around uh, you know his uh, his conduct. Uh, of the uh, the Hillary Clinton investigation, as contrasted with the conduct of the uh, of the uh, Trump investigation, but I want to finish uh, this clip from um, Chairman Goodlatte uh, that we were interrupted before the break. Second thing I would tell you is that in no way did I or do I believe any resident of Loudoun County or Southern Virginia or anywhere else in the nation is are any of those things. That was a flippant. Text. So, do you, do you understand? I don't believe that. I said it in a private conversation that I never thought would be exposed, but I certainly didn't mean that. It's really unbelievable. I guess you can't hold people in in contempt or uh, charge them with perjury for stating uh, an opinion, but it's clearly dishonest. It was part and partial to what happened the rest of the time during uh, during this testimony. When he wasn't uh, refusing to answer questions, he was lying his butt off. Stand the implications of this text when my constituents in Virginia read it? I do, sir. And I would ask you to tell them that that was a, uh, in some cases, certainly unfortunate use of words that in no way do I believe that those things are, are what Now, you and Ms. Page used personal phones and accounts to communicate. Have you turned over those communications to the inspector general? No, sir. If not, why not? Uh, sir, they asked, and working with my attorney, the inspector general, and I arranged an agreement where I would go through my 
personal accounts and identify any material that was relevant to FBI business and turn it over. It was reviewed. There was none. And my understanding is the inspector general was satisfied with that action. Do you get what he just said? Good lad, ask him. Um, you also, in addition to your FBI official devices where you send all of these incriminating emails, also use your personal devices to communicate. Did you turn over that information? That And Stork responds that he was ordered by the inspector general to turn over any relevant information off of his personal devices, and there was none. So we're to believe, and this guy's under oath, that all of the negative information that he sent uh, concerning Trump or the positive information uh, opinions that he sent concerning Hillary was all over his official devices, and none of it, none of it was over his private devices. He was given the same exact treatment that Hillary Clinton was given on her email server where um, you know, she turned over what she thought was relevant and destroyed all the rest of it. I wish, I wish, uh, I, I bet you Paul Manafort wishes he could get the same deal or, or Michael Cohen wishes he could get the same deal out of this justice department. I'm going to play this clip again, because this really is a shocking re revelation. Personal phones and accounts to communicate. Use of words that in no way do I believe that those things are. are well. Now you and Ms. Page used personal phones and accounts to communicate. Have you turned over those communications to the inspector general? No, sir. If not, why not? Uh, sir, they asked, and working with my attorney, the inspector general, and I arranged an agreement where I would go through my personal accounts and identify any material that was relevant to FBI business and turn it over. It was reviewed. There was none. And my understanding is the inspector general was satisfied with that action. That is outrageous. If nothing else came from today's hearing, it, we've learned that um, – the internal investigation into the conduct of the of the FBI and the DOJ's investigation into Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump uh, is a fraud. That they really aren't looking for any information. They're they're more concerned with not finding information because all of that would have been subpoenaed otherwise, and it should be subpoenaed by the uh, congressional committees. And I think we would probably learn that just like Hillary Clinton destroyed. The information before uh, before it could be brought to light that struck and Page probably did as well. Got to remind you that uh, that Page refused to go and testify yesterday, and she is uh, subject to a contempt cit citation now. I'm going to play a long clip for you. We might not be able to get through it all uh, because I'm going to comment on it as we go. But this is Trey Gowdy when he had his opportunity to question um, Peter Strzok system we give law enforcement officers incredible powers the power to investigate to search to seize to stop the power to allege and accuse the power to eavesdrop and intercept private communications the power to look through bank records the power to look through phone records the power to even check what books you checked out of the library these are awesome powers that must be used responsibly because those powers affect reputations and freedom these awesome powers are given a correspondingly high expectation that these powers will be used fairly, lawfully, professionally, and in a manner worthy of our respect. About two weeks ago, FBI agent Peter Strzok was interviewed for more than 10 hours. We learned that agent Strzok has a most unusual 
and largely self-serving definition of bias. Agent Strzok, despite the plain language of his text and emails, despite the Inspector General's report, and despite common sense, doesn't think he was biased. He thinks calling someone destabilizing for the country isn't bias. He thinks promising to protect the country from someone he hasn't even begun to investigate isn't bias. He thinks promising to stop someone he is supposed to be fairly investigating from ever becoming president isn't bias. He thinks talking about an insurance policy to keep someone from becoming president isn't bias. That's for one of the folks he was investigating. He has a different set of rules for others that he's investigating. Agent Strzok thinks saying someone he is allegedly investigating should be elected president 100 million to zero before he ever interviews him. He doesn't think that's bias. Agent Strzok thinks pronouncing someone innocent before bothering to interview more than 30 different witnesses isn't bias. He thinks claiming you can smell the Trump supporters isn't bias, but he doesn't say a single solitary word about being able to smell the support of any other candidate. To him, that isn't bias. The moment special counsel Bob Mueller found out about Peter Strzok's text and emails, he kicked him off of the investigation. But that was a year and a half too late. The text and the emails may have been discovered in May of 2017, but the bias existed and was manifest a year and a half before that, all the way back to late 2015 and early 2016. So it wasn't the discovery of text that got him fired. It was the bias manifest in those texts that made him unfit to objectively and dispassionately investigate. So if the bias existed in late 2015 and early 2016, and it did, his unfitness to investigate existed then as well. Agent Strzok struggled to define bias for the better part of 10 hours. For the rest of us, bias is the prejudging of a person, a group, or a thing. It usually has a negative connotation, but it is a preconceived position or a prejudgment. It is the making up of your mind ahead of time based on anything other than the facts, and that is exactly what he did. Bias is saying Hillary Clinton should win the presidency 100 million to zero when she was still under investigation, wasn't even the nominee, hadn't been interviewed, and 30 other witnesses had also not been interviewed. In March of 2016, Agent Strzok had Clinton winning 100 million to zero even though the investigation was far from being over. That is the prejudging of someone's innocence before all the evidence is in. On the other hand, he said Trump would be destabilizing, called him an idiot, abysmal, bigoted nonsense, called him a disaster, said he should F himself. Strzok promised to stop Trump from becoming president before the investigation even began. He talked longingly of Trump resigning two months after he was inaugurated and well before the special counsel investigation even began. Strzok even talked about impeachment the day special counsel was appointed.
We're going to stop right there because we got to run out to a break. But uh, you got to hear this uh, interaction between Gowdy and Strzok when we come back right after these messages on America First Radio. playing some very, very long clips from uh, today's testimony before the uh, House Joint Committee uh, from the testimony of Peter Strzok and the questioning of the committee members and the uh, chairman especially. Uh, I've often said on this show that if I can uh, communicate the message uh, more clearly by, uh, by letting other people say it, that I'm perfectly happy to do that. And I'm going to continue on this show to play these extensive clips. If I, if I was capable of it, I would I would put uh, all of this testimony on a continual loop because I think uh, more than anything we've seen so far, the uh, the dishonesty, the obstruction uh, that that uh, took place uh, on behalf of both the Democratic members of the committee and the witness uh, backed up by his FBI lawyers in this case, just really show uh, what we're up against when we're trying to uh, to get to the bottom of uh, this deep state effort to uh, subvert the 2016 presidential election. So uh, let's see where we left off on this clip. Uh, the, this is Trey Gowdy, uh, his opening statements. He, I believe, is chair of the uh, the House. He's either chair of the Judiciary or the Oversight Committee, and Goodlad is the, the other chair. Uh, but uh, this is part of his opening statement before he gets to the questioning of the witness. That is prejudging guilt. It is prejudging punishment, and it is textbook bias. We live in a 50-50 country, and we accept that. But we're a 100% country when it comes to having law enforcement that doesn't prejudge innocence before investigations are over and doesn't prejudge guilt and punishment before an investigation even begins. Agent Strzok had Hillary Clinton winning the White House before he finished investigating her. Agent Strzok had Donald Trump impeached before he even started investigating him. That is bias. Agent Strzok may not see it, but the rest of the country does, and it's not what we want, expect, or deserve from any law enforcement officer, much less the FBI. A f- so um, here is Strzok's response uh, to Gowdy's uh, questioning. Agent Strzok, um, just so the record's clear, because it's been a, a, a little while, um, I didn't ask you the content of those interviews. I didn't ask you the names of who you interviewed. I asked you whether or not you interviewed anyone from July the 31st until August the 8th. And I find it interesting that the FBI will tell us no interviews were conducted before July 31st. That apparently doesn't impact an ongoing probe. But between July 31st and August 8th, it does. Here's the good news. Um, I already know the answer to it. I went and looked at the file. The first interview that I can find is on August the 11th of 2016, which is 11 days after it began, which makes me wonder 
on August the 6th. So you hadn't interviewed anyone. You're investigating this alleged Russian collusion with the Trump campaign. You're the lead investigator. You originated the investigation. You're the point of contact. You drafted the document. And here you are before you've interviewed a single solitary witness saying F Trump. Then that same day, your um, colleague, Lisa Page, wrote, maybe you're meant to protect the country from that menace. And you responded, I can protect the country at many levels. We're not even a week into an investigation that you originated, approved, were the contact for. You hadn't interviewed a single solitary soul until August 11th, and you're already promising to protect the country from that menace, Donald Trump. And then on August the 8th, you still hadn't interviewed anyone. You're eight days into your Russian collusion with the Trump campaign investigation, and you got another text from your uh, colleague, Lisa Page. Trump's not ever going to become president, right? Right? And you replied, no, no, he's not. We'll stop. By the time you promised to stop him from becoming president on August the 8th, how many interviews had you conducted? Mr. Gowdy, so two answers to that. One, with regard to how many interviews had or had not been conducted, I've been directed by counsel for the FBI not to answer that question. Second, sir, I think it's important. So he's not even allowed, according to the FBI, and this is part of their slow walk strategy to drip, drip, drip all this information out so it doesn't shock the conscience. He's not even allowed to say whether he conducted any interviews, much less who he interviewed. To take those texts in the context of how they were written and what they meant. And there, and someone may ask you that question, Agent Strzok, but I didn't. I asked you how many people you interviewed before you wrote it. If you want to get into context, let one of my other colleagues do that with you. Here's what I want to know. Who's the he? And he's not. He is then candidate Trump. So when you said, no, Donald Trump's not, in, in connection with the question, going to become president, what's the it? Chairman we'll Gotti. stop it. Chairman Gotti, that text needs to be taken in the context I, I'm, of I'm asking, doing. look, if you want to have a debate over a two-letter word, we're going to have to do that some other time. What and who did you mean by it? Mr. Gowdy, as I've stated, that text was written late at night in shorthand. I don't care when it was written. About. I don't care it's whether it was longhand, cursive. Is. I don't care about any of that. I want to know what it meant, Agent Strzok. It would be his candidacy for the presidency. See, my sense that the American it's, yeah, it's population not that would not vote him into office. Right, right. Well, we hadn't gotten to the will yet. Well, I'm your, trying to, I'm your trying your to cut to the chase and explain the, the text. The will I, I is it. the American people. Is that right? That's your testimony. The will stop it. You were speaking on behalf of the American people. Is that correct? Mr. Gowdy, what my testimony is and what I said during extensive asking of this question during my prior interview is I don't recall writing that text. What Are you I denying you, writing the text? What I can tell you is that text in no... So it's, it's kind of weird how Strzok went from, uh, you know, not remember writing the text to knowing the precise moment he wrote it, which was, he says, late at night, and that he wrote it in response to, to uh, you know, being, being uh, angry at Donald Trump. It's very selective what he remembers and what he doesn't. Uh, and it depends on who's answering the question and whether it supports his narrative that all of these uh, these damning emails that show an un unbelievable uh, level of bias that was recorded, again, on FBI official devices, and there suddenly isn't any similar emails on his private devices. Well, I'll, I'll get back to uh, the, the exchange. Way suggested that I or the FBI would take any action 
to influence the candidacy a of Agent Kennedy Strzok. Trump. That, that is a up. fantastic answer to a question nobody asked. Yeah, Mr. Guy, My you question to you is Chairman, the wheel. Is the witness going to be permitted to answer the question posed? Well, you look forward to that. So your testimony His time has uh, expired, Mr. Ago, Chairman. That's the Democrats trying to waste the questioner's time and then pointing out that the time has expired. They did this all day long. What clip should I play for you next? You got to, if, if you were at work today and didn't have a chance to watch this, uh, these hearings live, you got to watch them. I'm going to play you some out clips here, but really to get the real flavor of what uh, is going on in our, our Congress and in the FBI and the Department of Justice to this day, you got to watch it yourself. So uh, here is Strzok uh, saying that he is somehow offended by the way Gowdy uh, has characterized uh, these emails that are pretty uh, pretty obvious on their face what they say and that he tries to deny. If you were kicked off when you read the text, shouldn't you have been kicked off when you wrote them? Not at all. Well, it wasn't the discovery of your text, Mr. Strzok. It was the existence of your bias that got you kicked off. No, Mr. Gowdy, it wasn't. I do not have bias. My personal opinions in no way. Well, then why did you get kicked off? Why'd you get kicked off? Mr. Gowdy, my understanding of why I was kicked off was that based on understanding of those texts. Now, in this in this clip, what they're talking about is uh, is when uh, Robert Mueller, when the uh, inspector general brought these texts to Mueller's attention, he uh, removed struck from uh, being the lead investigator, his lead FBI investigator on the so-called Russia collusion investigation. Now, I have no doubt that Mueller was well aware of how Strzok felt in this regard. I think that uh, all of those um, those feelings were uh, uh, communicated between Mueller and Comey, who had met prior to uh, Strzok's appointment uh, to this position. But again, You've got a, uh, an FBI agent who in, engaged in obvious and overwhelming misconduct under color of law while the deputy director for the FBI's counterintelligence division attempting to subvert a presidential election. And now to this day, he's coming before Congress and lying, and he is still employed by the FBI. Back to this clip. In no way. Well, then why did you get kicked off? Permit. Why'd you get kicked off? Mr. Gowdy, my understanding of why I was kicked off was that based on an understanding of those texts and the perception that they might create is well, something hang, that hang on a second, Agent Strzok. Hang on a second. Perception. Integrity. You're saying it was the perception that 13 Democrats on the special counsel probe, including one who went to what he hoped was a victory party. That's a perception problem, too. They weren't kicked off. You were. Why were you kicked off? Mr. Gowdy, I cannot speak to Special Counsel Mueller. How long did you talk to him? These reasons why he did or did How long did you talk to him when he let you go? Uh, in this answer to the question. This will be afforded the opportunity to answer the question. My recollection is it was a short meeting somewhere between 15 to 30 minutes, probably around 15 minutes. And your testimony is Bob Mueller did not kick you off because of the content of your text. He kicked you off because of some appearance that he was worried about. Sure. My testimony, what you asked and what I responded to was that he kicked me off because of my bias. I'm stating to you it is not my understanding that he kicked me off because of any bias, that it was done based on the appearance. If you want to represent what you said accurately, I'm happy to answer that question, but I don't appreciate 
what was originally said being changed. I don't give a damn what you appreciate, Agent Strzok. I don't appreciate having an FBI agent with an unprecedented level of animus working on two major investigations during 2016. The chair recognizes the gentleman from Maryland, Mr. Cummings. Oh, point of Mr. Mr. Chairman, can I respond to Answer the questions that you promised him he would have an opportunity to answer. Oh, he doesn't want to answer any more questions. Um, Gowdy got to the bottom of this. Uh, this whole representation is, uh, is uh, incredible on its face. Despite all of these emails where he says he's going to prevent Donald Trump from becoming president, that he's got an insurance policy that's going to uh, prevent him from taking office uh, after he's, uh, he's expressed this unbelievable uh, level of hatred for Donald Trump and Trump supporters. And then we're supposed to believe that uh, he segregated that somehow from his official duties is absurd on its face. And Gowdy's response to him was exactly right. I don't give a damn what you appreciate, Agent Strzok. I don't appreciate having an FBI agent with an unprecedented level of animus working on two major investigations during 2016. We're going to end up doing this whole show uh, on on these hearings. Uh, I hardly know where to go next. Uh, let's see how much time we've got left in this segment. Just a little over a minute. Uh, let's see where to go, where to go, where to go. Well... Let me, uh, let me give you this one. This is where uh, Stork is representing that uh, any bias that he actually showed in this investigation was out of patriotism. Chairman Goodlatte and Gowdy, Ranking Members Nadler and Cummings, thank you for the opportunity to testify before your committees again, this time in an open hearing. I testify today with significant regret, recognizing that my texts have created confusion and caused pain. Confusion. I love. Certain private messages of mine have provided just confused. for misguided attacks against the FBI, an institution that I love deeply and have served proudly for over 20 years. I'm eager to answer your questions, but let me first address those much-discussed texts. Like many people, I had and expressed personal political opinions. We'll hear this clip again when we come back. This is, uh, he's hiding behind the FBI and claiming that, uh, that he, uh, that he didn't have bias despite the clear and obvious fact that he did right back after these messages. So before we went out to a break, we were listening to excerpts from Peter Strzok's opening statement to the joint committee, um, wherein he was saying that, you know, he, he really regrets that these uh, text messages that he and uh, P, uh, Lisa Page were uh, exchanging, promising to prevent Trump from becoming president and then un unseat him if he actually was elected, that he was sorry that they created confusion. So So you're just confused when you... When you hear the plain language of these texts, and then he turns around and he tries to hide behind the uh, the integrity of the FBI. Never mind the fact that this guy uh, was not appointed because he was a particularly effective street investigator or agent, but because he was a political hack. The political hacks rise to the top, and he was brought into headquarters at uh, the FBI because he could be counted on by that other political hack, James Comey. Uh, to toe the line and what they were engaged in. And the reason he still has a job is because a lot of the uh, people 
uh, on the seventh floor of the J. Edgar Hoover building. These political hacks were involved in this politically motivated um, attempt by America's law enforcement agency to subvert a political uh, to subvert a presidential election. Now we've got Strzok on the hook because he was stupid enough to actually write down evidence uh, on his um, personal FBI device were to believe that he, he didn't have any of these sort of uh, communications on his personal device, which uh, the uh, Inspector General of the Department of Justice just took him as his word for that. But back to these uh, uh, this opening statement from Peter Strzok. For over 20 years, I'm eager to answer your questions, but let me first address those much-discussed texts. Like many people, I had and expressed personal political opinions during an extraordinary presidential election. Many contained expressions of concern for the security of our country, opinions that were not always expressed in terms I'm proud of. But having worked in national security for two decades and proudly served in the U.S. Army, those opinions were expressed out of deep patriotism and an unyielding belief in our great American democracy. So the statement that he made that he was going to stop one of the two major parties' political candidates from becoming president, and that if the American people elected this man president, that he was going to help overturn that election and get Donald Trump impeached, that was done out of a deep sense of patriotism. Well, that. Peter Strzok, Agent Strzok, is not the kind of uh, patriotism we need. You took an oath to defend the Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic, and Donald Trump was elected president under the terms of that Constitution. And you, Agent Strzok, have become a domestic enemy of that Constitution that you swore to protect. Here's um here's uh, some more of this rant from um from Peter Strzok at this hearing today. Uh, sir, I think it's important when you look at those texts that you understand the context in which they were made and the things that were going on across America. And I have to get I have to remind you that the reason uh, we're focused on these texts is because uh, the FBI uh, attorneys that are shilling or that are shielding. Uh, this investigation have instructed Peter Strzok not to answer any substantive questions about the investigation uh, into uh, into Donald Trump. So he's not allowed to say when it began, who was uh, interviewed, what spies they put inside the Trump campaign, what so-called confidential informants they tried to use to entrap the Trump campaign. We know of at least five um, overtures that were made to the Trump campaign trying to frame it for so-called Russia collusion in support of this bogus um, dossier from Christopher Steele. But they're still hiding all of that. You will learn about them one at a time, a little bit at a time. This will drag out for the next couple of years. And by the time it's all over with, everybody will be so exhausted and this thing, um, you know, will have dripped out so much. We'll be by, uh, like the proverbial frog in the in the uh, in the boiling pot. Back to this clip. In terms of the text, that we will stop it. 
You need to understand that that was written late at night, off the cuff, and it was in response to a series of events that included then-candidate... Well, first of all, he said he didn't remember writing the text, but now he knows that he wrote it late at night and off the cuff and in response to this. Trump insulting the immigrant family of a fallen war hero. And my presumption, based on that horrible, disgusting behavior, that the American population would not elect somebody demonstrating that behavior to be president of the United States. So we're to believe that when he wrote that we'll stop it, that he was speaking for the American people, not for himself and his unique position as the lead investigator on a trumped-up bogus investigation into the opposing party's political campaign. It was in no way, unequivocally, any suggestion that me, the FBI, would take any action whatsoever to improperly impact the electoral process. Do you think he was coached on these statements? For any candidate. So I, I take great offense and I take great disagreement to your assertion of what that was or wasn't. As to the 100 million to one, that was clearly a statement made in jest and using... Oh, he was just joking uh, when he was expressing his, his undying support for Hillary Clinton. That was just a joke. Hyperbole. I, of course, recognize that millions of Americans were likely to vote for candidate Trump. I acknowledge that is absolutely their right. That is what Oh, thank you, Peter Strzok, for giving us the right to vote for the candidate uh, that we want so that you and Lisa Page and the other political hacks at the FBI can try to overturn that election makes our democracy such a vibrant process that it is but to suggest somehow that we can parse down the words of shorthand textual conversations like there's some contract for a car is is simply not consistent with my or most people's use of text messaging i can assure you mr chairman at no time in any of these texts did those personal beliefs ever enter into the realm of any action I took. Furthermore, well, uh, let's let's take a look at that statement. It never in uh, none of these um, these personal feelings that were expressed enter into his um, his official actions. So um, almost every substantive fact witness in the investigation into the uh, Espionage Act violations of the Democrat candidate, every uh, significant witness was given immunity for nothing in return, no testimony. They are, they, none of them were subpoenaed or, or taken before a grand jury. None of the devices that uh, possibly could have recovered some of these de uh, destroyed emails were ever subpoenaed. Um, Hillary, the, uh, the memo that exonerated Hillary Clinton was drafted with Peter Strzok's uh, input, exonerating her before she was ever interviewed or 30 other witnesses were ever interviewed. And then you compare that and contrast it with the idea that uh, they, they ran a, a confidential informants inside the Trump campaign based on nothing more than the opposition research document of the Clinton campaign. None of this passes the laugh test. And the fact that the FBI and the Department of Justice is still up there defending this tells you, without a doubt, that it goes far, far deeper than Peter Strzok. And that the reason Peter Strzok hasn't been fired for this obvious and blatant misconduct is because he knows where all the bodies are buried.
I want to play you a clip while we've got time, and we are running out of time, of um, uh, Sensenbrenner, uh, the uh, representative from Wisconsin, questioning Strzok. Somehow along the line, uh, in the report on the conclusions of the Clinton investigation, the word gross negligence was changed to extremely careless in determining uh, Mrs. Clinton's uh, handling of classified information. Now, gross negligence uh, would mean that it would subject her to criminal liability. Extremely careless would have the opposite effect. It would not. So I'd like to uh, ask you, Mr. Strzok, a couple questions about that. The original May 2nd draft of the statement that uh, uh, Director Comey was right, making, it was, it was he characterized Mrs. Clinton's actions as grossly negligent. Is that correct? That's my recollection, yes. Yes. Um, are you aware that gross negligence was changed to extremely careless in the eventual statement? Yes. Okay. Now, do you recall at the June 6, 6 2016 meeting attended We're going to jump ahead. Who was during that meeting or at another one? I, I, I well, remember that whenever it happened, who brought it up? My recollection, sir, is that somebody within our office, the general counsel did. It was one of the attorneys. I okay. don't remember which one. Do you don't? No, he doesn't remember which one. We're not going to implicate anybody in this meeting today. I, I uh, conveniently can't remember that. Remember who did? No, I, it, was okay. a, it was a legal issue that one of the attorneys brought up. Okay, now... Um, Immediately after that meeting, metadata shows that you modified the draft modified. statement on June 6th. Is this when the phrase grossly negligent was changed to extremely careless? Sir, again, I... Oh, no, no, no. He can't remember that. Don't recall specifically when it happened. I am aware as well. Now, this was a monumental change to the draft. This was the key um, edit in this memo that uh, that let Hillary Clinton off the hook. But he can't remember... Who told him to do it? It was done on his computer, but he can't remember who was there. That metadata, my recollection is of working on the draft with a group of us in my office, because it was the largest office, okay. and taking the inputs of probably five people. Was it your computer that put the change in to I, the statement? Based on my subsequent review of that metadata, I believe that to be true. Okay, and who who has access to your computer? Anybody beside you? No, I do. My secretary okay. had access to elements okay. of it, but um, and why was the change made? You know, you were in the meeting where this guy was knee deep in both of these things. He knows where all the bodies are buried. The reason he's still on the payroll of the FBI, despite this obvious misconduct is to keep him from implicating the other people that were also involved in this conspiracy against the United States. That takes us to the end of this edition. Go watch the full hearing if you can. Get it on C-SPAN or watch it online. And join us back here again tomorrow night for another edition of America First Radio. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The in-dash OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve, too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving.